Thanks for tuning in to Start With Scripture, a Hesed Heart podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Grove, here to bring you scripture reading and application that can fit into your morning routine and your busy schedule. Learn more at hesedheart.com. morning, my friends, and happy Monday. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you were able to get some rest, whatever you needed, and I hope you're ready to dive into this brand new week that the Lord has given us. Seven brand new opportunities. If you remember last week, we saw Paul in Ephesus, and we also talked about this idea that your root, what you believe, leads to your fruit, ultimately the actions and the things that they produce. Now today we're going to be focusing in again on this idea that God's word, the truth of Jesus is polarizing. And we're going to see three things that the disciples, they modeled for us as these early church leaders for what we can do when people push back today in such a way that it moves almost to the point of being a riot. So let's jump in today. We are in Acts chapter 19 verse 21 and I'm reading from the ESV. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Which I think this is really cool because later on in the book of Acts, we do see Paul go to Rome. So we see that this seed, this desire, this dream to go to Rome has already been planted in his heart, even though he's not going there yet. In fact, he's going the opposite direction back to Jerusalem in Israel. So just remember that when God plants a seed or a dream, an idea in your heart, remember to be patient for his timing in that area. Paul saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So now Paul is moving through modern day Greece and he's staying in Asia, which is modern day Turkey for a little while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. So the followers of Jesus, this idea of a Christian faith before it was called the Christian faith. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. So we see that he was a craftsman and he made his life wages by building these shrines, these replicas, these little idols almost to the Greek goddess Artemis. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. 
And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Like I said, Jesus the truth of the Bible, that is a polarizing message because that message says that Jesus is the only way. Not that he is a valid way and these other ways are also valid to be saved. No, Jesus is the one and only way and that is polarizing. It upsets people just like it upset these craftsmen because not only was their goddess potentially being deposed of her power and her beauty in their eyes? But they were also losing a lot of money, a big chunk of change, because people were no longer worshipping this false goddess. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. So they've grabbed Paul's companions, his friends, and they're dragging them into this theater. They're so upset and so angry. Because, why are they so angry? Because their worldview is being questioned, and their lifestyle is being shaken because they are not grounded in a firm foundation. Our God, he is firm. We are assured in our salvation. He is unchanging. And even if our conditions around us, the world, the society, the culture changes, even if that crumbles, our God is still there. But for these people, their goddess was tied to their culture, was tied to their livelihood. And when all of that was shaken, they responded likely in some fear, but we see very vividly in anger, dragging Paul's companions into the theater. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. So a couple things we see here, when our polarizing message is responded to in a negative way, how can we respond like these early Christians? I think first we see that they are together in community, that Paul is being advised by some of his fellow companions, some of his friends. So he is in community. He is still bold. He is still wishing to go in there and I assume to speak, to be on their side, hat their backs. So he has community. He has boldness in Christ, but he also has discernment in Christ. His friends are urging him not to go into the theater. And we're going to see that that is actually with a very good reason. Now, some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Really, this mindset of just being in this big group, this riot, not knowing why you're there, but being angry and ready to act, blindly following. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. 
But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So Alexander here, a Jew, is trying to make a defense. He's trying to stand up and speak. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when they had heard these things, he dismissed the assembly. So we see this Alexander stand up and give them a logical argument. This crowd was already so focused in on feelings that he gave them logic. This doesn't make sense. You're turning this into a riot when if you have a real true charge, it should be handled in the courts just like the law states. So we see that when the believers, Paul, he had discernment not rushing in there, it was with good reason because the crowds ended up being dismissed and moving away. So as we speak the truth, when we are met with pushback because it happens, my friends, may we lean on our community, look to them for support and guidance. May we still be bold in our actions and in our words, but may we also be discerning, speaking the truth always in love. And I will see you tomorrow morning.